If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate can be your strength. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. The FDA recently issued a qualified health claim saying that high flavanol cocoa powder may help prevent cardiovascular disease. It may even be a helpful tool in managing cognitive decline. Flava Naturals Dark Chocolate Bars and Cocoa Powder deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate with great flavor and minimal sugar. Their secret is sourcing premium high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. There you'll find the extensive research behind cocoa flavanol's benefits and great recipes too. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to this episode of Intelligent Medicine. I'm reprising this podcast that we did in 2019 with Dr. Roberta Foss Morgan to commemorate her passing recently at the age of 73. She recently succumbed to a long illness. Uh, She completed her medical training as a second career as a young mom with small children. And she was a well-regarded integrative physician with practices in Haddonfield and Ventnor, New Jersey. Before she became a doctor, she was a highly acclaimed figure and roller skating champion, reaching the national finals in 1978. And she subsequently became a skating instructor and an accomplished ballroom dancer. I remember Roberta as always intensely intellectually curious. Uh, She was passionate about life and helping people. She was the wife of Malcolm Weiser. She's a mother and grandmother. So here's to Dr. Roberta Foss Morgan. Enjoy this podcast as a special tribute to her memory and legacy. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And today's subject is sex. And yes, sex is part of intelligent medicine because I just can't tell you how often uh, the subject of sex comes up in my encounters with patients, uh, whether it's uh, problems with sexuality, uh, difficulties uh, in one way, shape, or form, uh, whether it's uh, men or women, uh, we see issues uh, coming up. And... um, So today we're going to talk to the author of a great book on this subject. Uh, She's a good colleague of mine. She's Dr. Roberta Foss Morgan, and she's author of a book called The Sexless Marriage Fix. Dr. Morgan was the medical director of the Princeton Bio Center, where she honed her skills in nutritional biochemistry and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and now she's the director of the Morgan Center for Integrative Medicine, uh, which is located in southern New Jersey. Right, Dr. Morgan? Yes, I have two practices. Uh, One in Haddonfield, New Jersey, which is about nine miles from Philadelphia, and one at the beach. Um, (laughs) And that's at Ventnor, New Jersey. It's next to Atlantic City. Okay. It's a little bit more of a seasonal practice, uh, catering to individuals who kind of hang out at the short. No, it's year-round. Okay, good. Year round, yeah, year round. and and my goal my goal is to retire and have one practice and 
and one home. <laughs> that would be good. At the beach. <laughs> ah, preferably. So, uh, and just to be clear, uh, you are not a, a specialist per se in human sexuality. You're an integrative physician just like me. Our practices in some ways are similar. Uh, it's just that you have staked out uh, this area as an area of particular interest uh, in, in line with your interest in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, right? Yes. And and what I, I learned, I learned in Europe with uh, Dr. Terry Hertog, who, as you know, is a fourth-generation Belgium endocrinologist. So, as you know, Dr. Huffman, we don't receive training in, in uh, sexuality, uh, weight loss, um, uh, all kinds of other psychiatry, but I guess if they taught us everything we needed to know, we would still be there. So, I, I go to Europe. I try to go four times a year and train with Dr. Wow. Hertog. He's a... And incidentally, he, he's, he's an interesting person because he is the yeah. grandson of yeah. one of the pioneers in, in thyroid replacement therapy. There are pictures that are like these old-fashioned pictures from the 19th yeah. century of his patients before and after. You know, the profound differences after it was realized they had thyroid problems. They looked all puffy and bloated. And then once they received uh, proper thyroid replacement with natural thyroid, of course, that was the standard in those days, just ground up uh, pig thyroid, uh, they... Uh, responded beautifully. They totally changed in their appearance. The, the pictures are so dramatic. And uh, as we'll hear, thyroid is important for sexuality as well. And what you're talking about is in Europe, they only prescribe Armour thyroid. Armour um, mimics physiologically our thyroid. Our thyroid has T1, T2, T3, T4, and calcitonin, unlike the way we're uh, taught to prescribe in America, which is Synthroid only, which is T4, sometimes it converts, sometimes it doesn't. Right. But so uh, that's part of the picture. But you know, let's let's hone in on on the issue. Um, and you know, this is there's some controversy about this because uh, some might say uh, that this is a matter of personal choice and preference. Is that you know sometimes as you age or certain types of relationships, you kind of drift into a sexless marriage. The title of the book being the sexless marriage, and that's you know that's okay because you know you can be uh, you know uh, life companions, uh, you can be in a relationship, uh, you can have. Uh, a profound emotional connection, but you know the sexuality part. Maybe that that can wane. But I think you take a little bit of a different position. You put uh, sexuality in a position of greater primacy, right? It's absolutely imperative for health, and uh, there's less dementia, there's less coronary artery disease when a man and woman are having sexual relations two times a week. So. Uh, in Europe, they give us 14, 16 hours of lectures on sexuality. In America, our sexual history is, would you like me to prescribe Viagra or something? <laughs> right. That's pretty much it. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and by the way, here are some free samples that I got from the drug guy. He just <laughs> right. dropped them off in my office. And, you know, right. once you like them, you'll be spending money for life on these <laughs> things. Uh, so, but... So another question is, what's the norm? I mean, you know, should we feel bad because we're, we're not having enough? I mean, it's in this age of, you know, getting report cards and, you know, everybody's kind of performance oriented. You know, what, what, you know, what should we be striving for? I mean, is it like vitamin D levels? They should be, you know, between 45 and 70 or else you're in trouble? What, uh, you mean the, whether the or not... Frequency of intercourse. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's the... Uh, great big open secret that no one is talking about and 
if they do question their internal medicine or gynecologist or endocrinologist, that usually the answer in America is, well, you're getting older, so you should just expect that. Mm-hmm. But in Europe, that's not the case. It's, it's considered part of a healthy lifestyle so that we can die old feeling as young as possible. It's very important. It's 1% of the marriage, Dr. Hoffman, but it, unfortunately it's the most important 1%. Mm-hmm. And people signed up for monogamy, but they did not sign up it, for it, it punches higher than its weight, so to speak, in terms <laughs> yes. of its uh, relative importance. Because, you know, we, yeah, you point out in your book that we actually spend probably more time in our lives waiting at red lives, red lights, than uh, <laughs> having sex, but uh, still, yeah. it's of greater uh, importance in terms of uh, overall psychological and physical health. Yes, there um, women receive so much uh, when they receive an ejaculate, and they don't know that. And I tell them that. <laughs> and men just don't feel like men when they're unable to get and keep an erection. They lose their sense of masculinity yep. and get sad and. And they're not as motivated and all kinds of things like that. So you mentioned, this is an interesting fact, is that in addition to the, the stimulus that you may receive from a sexual activity, you know, the very uh, the mechanical nervous system to brain uh, activation that you may obtain uh, as a female, uh, there's actually some physical properties of the ejaculate that may be beneficial to for a woman's health and of course this is precluded when you're using barrier contraception right absolutely mm-hmm. yes it is if you're not receiving that mm-hmm. and that might consist of uh, testosterone a little bit of a shot of testosterone and other uh, beneficial feel-good uh, compounds that are present you mean, what did they receive upon yeah. ejaculate? They received testosterone, oxytocin, about 20 milligrams, and hmm. oxytocin is an amazing hormone. Zinc, which is very important for the receptor to receive any hormonal replacement that we, I may be prescribing. Hmm. And, and again, with the, with the, horm- with the hormonal prescribing, the goal is not to be a pharmacologic high doses. It's to be physiologic low doses and to keep you in the high Dr. Hertog teaches us to keep you in the highest quartile or quintile for the rest of your life. <laughs> wow. okay. I think the centenarian studies show that people who are centenarians have high levels of testosterone and, and vitamin uh-huh. D and other things as well. But coming back to the key question, you, you quote some statistics in the book about frequency. What are we talking about here in terms of uh, you know people as they move into their 40s, 50s, and 60s? What you know, what should they be expecting in terms of uh, the norm? Well, if you do everything they teach me in Europe, you can uh, you can achieve twice a week. But I'll be happy with once a week. And and until I started writing this book, I had no idea there were so many sexless marriages out there. There are so many people living as roommates. And it, it's and they're sad about it. When I talk mm-hmm. to them, when I take an in-depth sexual history, there are tears coming from men and women, and they miss each other. So um, it's very important. Indeed. Uh, so you know, let's talk uh, reasons for diminished desire. Uh, you know, and let's start. You know, I think we can. There's some commonalities between among the sexes. Uh, and then there's some individual reasons that are 
vary by sex. So let's let's talk about some of those. What are some of the downers? Okay, first of all, it's interesting to note that even my men in their late 20s and early 30s are have low normal. They just squeaks across the fence either. And you can't just get a total testosterone. At some point, we have to talk about what the hormonal workup is. It's free in total testosterone, but they're low. Part of, You've talked about this in your shows, and, and Dr. Hoffman, I listen, <laughs> you're, I listen to you more than anybody else. I, I roam through the house. And Goodness gracious, so you're the one. You're ever. the one who's listening. Yeah, I'm the one, and I'm right. listening to every, every podcast, and oh, I'm okay. ordering the book. And okay, you have me very busy. Good. But um, uh, what was the original question? Because <laughs> <laughs> I got off there. You know, I did. tangents. We love tangents. So just coming back to the reasons for uh, drugs, uh, oh, okay. reasons that yes. for d- diminished uh-huh. desire, and we well, might include among that, you know, drugs that rob libido. That's among the causes, right? Absolutely. Okay, but I remember one of your podcasts, and you went to a. Uh, a conference in New York City with all the endocrine disruptors and you said that the average woman leaves the house in the morning with over a hundred chemicals on her. Mm-hmm. The, these these environmental assaults, whether they be cleaning supplies, solvents, uh, 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 makeup, are altering our endocrine pathways. The other thing is elite athleticism. So oh. I do have yes. hot shot I yes. do have some hot shot yes. um, players, big Overdoing baseball it. players, yeah. and guess what? They're and they're young and they're low in testosterone, but I'm not allowed to treat them. And the other thing is hemochromatosis, and and also as you mentioned, medications. In in particularly a particular some well some hypertensive antihypertensives, yeah. but uh, the SSRIs, the antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And I was always very curious why only about 8 or 9% of women could reach climax when they were taking an antidepressant. And wow, that is such York, a low statistic. Yeah, wow. It is very bad. And it's four, they'll say it will take four hours, and then they will say, was that it? All right, and Dr. Hertog taught me that the problem is that the serotonin decreases oxytocin. So if, if they have to be on an antidepressant, I, I also put them on compounded oxytocin mm-hmm. by sublingual or intranasal, and that usually fixes the problem. Sounds like I should go to one of those conferences. And uh, where are they where are they <laughs> held in Belgium? Oh, Belgium! I go wherever he goes. I'm a I'm a groupie. Okay, good, good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I got some I got some new in laws in Belgium, so maybe I can combine a trip with uh, an opportunity to. Thing. Yeah, it is. It is a wonderful country. So okay, so. Um, well, those are some of the physical causes, and then, you know, of course, there's, you know, uh, female menopause and and andropause yeah. in men. So, what's going what's, on there? Okay, well, you know, unlike women, no man loses ninety percent of his sexual hormones in a couple of years. Uh, women, I'm finding marriages are ending. Un- unfortunately, they don't have to because they they're menopausal. Many women come to me with a diagnosis of bipolar. And when I do a hormonal workup and balance their hormones, and I usually give them six or seven hormones. I take 10. I'm sliding into 70 now, and I feel 20, and that's the point. <laughs> but then, you, you and Suzanne Summers, you're, you're, you're like uh, yeah, well, kindred spirits. I feel well. Yeah. I feel well. Okay. She's, so, a, she's a huge but, believer in hormones as well. Absolutely. But 
But this did not have to happen because women go mental. Okay, and the men, it's it's more it's uh, more subtle. You know, decreased muscle. They're perhaps grumpy and they don't know it. Of course, men have loss of libido. They'll tell me um, a beautiful woman will walk by and they no longer feel excited and they're sad about. They're actually sad about that. Yeah. It's part of their masculinity. They mm-hmm. can't get and keep an erection. Uh, they have no ejaculate or a very small amount of ejaculate. It takes them longer to climax, and this is for men and women. And and it used to be a bang, and now it's a whimper. So mm-hmm. it, it and of course in America, what we say is what you expect. You're getting older, but there really is a way to fix this with. Uh, but it's it's not just testosterone, and it's not just Viagra or right. Cialis. So you you alluded to exercise before, but it sounds yeah. like there's a, a U-shaped curve for exercise because uh, certain exercises, especially for men, are, are beneficial for libido. And if you lead a sedentary lifestyle and you're not in touch with your body and movement, then uh, your libido is going to lag because you won't feel like sort of a healthy, vibrant person. Well, that I I agree with what you do, and I since I listen to your podcast, I'm very familiar with your exercise program. But I'm talking about the ball players and the hockey players and mm-hmm. the people who are ultra marathoners. You know, the yeah, super endurance, uh, long so, distance events, uh, right. Ironman triathlon. You know, uh, three four hundred miles uh, per week on a bicycle, for example, right. can really <laughs> drain your testosterone. Clearly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes. Uh, you know, cholesterol is big business in this country, and many people are on statins. And if they lower the cholesterol too much, cholesterol is the precursor to the hundreds and hundreds of hormones that are decreasing with aging. So, uh, I mean, sometimes people come to me with a cholesterol of 120. I mean, they're being overtreated. Indeed. And they also protein and saturated fat in cultures, in the Indian cultures where mm-hmm. they're strict vegan. Yeah. Uh, when they want the woman to get and remain pregnant, they let them have meat <laughs> during that time so they can make the hormones. <laughs> that is that is so interesting because uh, I recently was called upon to write a chapter for a uh, compilation. It's uh, it, there's several chapters in the book. Uh, it's part of the Andrew Weil series on integrative medicine, and I will be uh, that'll be published, I believe, in uh, February of 2018, and I'll let our listeners know and. I'll interview myself on it, or maybe I'll interview some of the other authors. But (laughs) the capture that I did was on the relationship between diet and sex. And I thought, well, you know, talking about things like uh, eating prairie oysters and things like that and, you know, uh, shellfish or things like that make you sexy. Uh, You know, I don't know how valid that is. But what I did discover in my research is that if you are a real dyed-in-the-wool vegan on a very low-fat diet, uh, you just don't synthesize as much uh, testosterone. And there's evidence that that may uh, cause a bit of a lag in uh, libido. Correct. And what you just mentioned about the, sh- the shellfish and things like that, what happens is they have zinc. So what happens, because testosterone converts into estradiol. That's the big ticket. If we're just going to look at one hormone in this country for sexuality, testosterone, it's going to be an abysmal failure. You must understand the biochemistry, that testosterone converts to estradiol in men, and if they need zinc, and if they have zinc, it it prevents, in part, 
conversion. Also, if they have a fatty belly, which is called aromatization, technically, you know, yeah, right. So the aromatase enzyme will will convert the testosterone into mm-hmm. estradiol. You do not. Men need a little bit of estrogen, just like women need a little mm-hmm. bit of testosterone. But if men, if you lower the, and then sometimes they lower the estrogen too much, they take a Remedex or or Clomid or something yep. like that. And then when they do that, they have the same problems as women. They have hot flashes at night. Mm-hmm. They're depressed. They get osteoporosis. The same mm-hmm. as women. So men need a little estrogen. Yep. Women need a little testosterone. And men with, I saw one study which showed that men, there's a rare mutation where men produce no estrogen. It's very rare. It's maybe one in a, I don't know, 100,000 or something. And they studied mm-hmm. these men. And uniformly, men who just have testosterone and no estrogen, they have very low right. IQs because <laughs> because really? the brain needs That's estrogen. Crazy. That's a little factoid. I can yeah. send you a, a reference on that. Yeah. That'll, that'll go right. well with your, uh, your slideshow um, or like your presentation. But so... Um, but so let's come back to reasons for diminished desire. I mean, surely, yeah, there are physical reasons. But in, the, in your book, your book is really uh, holistic and comprehensive. And you talk about uh, the many emotional reasons that uh, desire uh, can decline. And you actually coined a term, NPS, neglected partner syndrome. And there's some other yes. syndromes. Yes. And I, I think the reason, part of the reason for that is is because when you are neglected, um, it, foreplay begins long, long before you get in your birthday suit and, <laughs> yeah, and express your love for each other, okay? So it's, and, and I say to pay my patients, I ask them a couple of questions. First of all, did you ever like sex? I say to my women. Because if they never like sex, I can't get it back usually, okay? Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and the other thing is they don't talk about it. it. It's a big secret. They have to talk about it. And I'll ask them, is your husband masturbating? Is he masturbating? And they'll say no. And I just happen to have the husband and the wife. And when I ask the husband, he is. And this is an interesting story. They weren't having sex. The wife missed him very much. And then I asked him, are you masturbating? He said yes. And I said, how often? And he said every day. And I didn't ask the right question. What are you doing when you're masturbating? He was watching porn. He was addicted to porn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once, Which, once by the way, is a big a big uh, element now in the decline in yeah. sexual interest, especially in, uh, among younger men, because they, they're, they're, they're weaned on porn virtually. I mean, I was, right. when I was a, a kid, I was lucky to get a hold of a, a Playboy magazine that somebody threw in a trash can. You know, I'd go in the alley and, oh boy, <laughs> I found a treasure trove Playboy magazine and maybe they showed breasts, <laughs> but they didn't show any Thing else, and now it's you can right. you, you could you can get uh, you know just click on bestiality and there you go you know you're off, and, I mean, off to the races. Pretty, pretty scary what you can get on yeah. that, and, and no woman or no man can can meet those those. <laughs> it's <laughs> meet a that. cyber cyber sex, yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. So it's a problem. But so so anyway, continuing with that story on the uh, the uh, the pornography element with that that couple. So I, I was, I mean, it was one of the rare couples I wasn't able to help, but he he was, uh, when he would come, he would 
try to get me to giggle and be friends and and he was like not, that was his way of not talking about it so they never did fix it mm-hmm. but uh, most of the time I can fix it and sometimes I just have the wife and I get her all tuned up and she's feeling a libido again mm-hmm. she's having perhaps some sexual dreams and the next time her husband wants to have relations she doesn't say oh crap but it, it's much better when I have both the husband mm-hmm. and the wife. You know, I think one of the reasons that uh, a lot of women don't want to have sex with their husbands uh, is because their husbands are real SOBs. <laughs> you know, they're they're just. <laughs> well, you're, yes, there is that. We you know, we you. Can, I'll say to them, "Have you said too many horrible things to each other?" Yeah. And I said, "Because you know, it's really difficult. You will forget, but uh, you will not forgive." <laughs> yeah. And and. You can't, you, and, and the French have these sayings, you know, many problems are solved on the pillow, you know, and, hmm. and they didn't, they didn't have that. So the people who don't have sexual relations, they get angry with each other hmm. very easily to hmm. find. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There's less, there's less of a, there's a more tenuous connection, shall we say. That is one of, yes. it's one of the many aspects, ways in which we connect on, on so many levels, you know, intellectually and emotionally and, you know, mutual and shared interests and a family. And then there's the sexual element. And these are all important uh, threads that bind us together. Uh, and that is one of, of great primacy. So, um, so, you know, let's, uh, you know, talk a little bit about, oh, actually, this is a good point at which to pause because time flies when you're having fun and we divide these <laughs> podcasts into two parts. We sort of laying the groundwork for our discussion about the sexless marriage fix. That's the title of a book by today's guest, uh, Roberta Foss Morgan, uh, who is a physician who practices in New Jersey. Uh, she's an integrative physician, but uh, she has acquired a subspecialty uh, in this area of human sexuality. And uh, when we return, we're going to talk about uh, some fixes. We're going to talk about some solutions. We'll talk a little bit about uh, hormone replacement therapy, the bioidentical kind. Uh, we'll talk about uh, drugs versus uh, herbal uh, libido enhancers. And a lot of good stuff coming up in part two, so stay with us. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. <laughs> 